when we talk of um, uh, praying from a, a position of authority or just praying, everybody prays. Everybody prays. And as we talk about a revival or, you know, just the presence of God over our lives, we need to understand what are things that comes to quench that presence in our lives. Look, we can have a very wonderful service here where the power of God comes and slains you right down and God heals you and, and you feel the anointing and you feel the goosebump and you feel the power of God. But the moment you walk out of those doors, all that will go away simply because of what I'm about to share with you. So really when I began to pray and asking God, God we want the move of God, we want to experience the presence of God. And the Lord spoke and he said, I have no problem moving amongst my people, I have no problem revealing myself to my people, but the problem is there are things that are consuming my people and it's not seen. Because again, I told you, seeing Jesus has already paid the price on Calvary. There is nothing that you and I can do to make Jesus die more and more and more for our sins. So the enemy won't use sin to bring you down. Because Jesus has already owned the victory. So as I began to pray asking God, how do we walk with a passion for Jesus Christ? Because you see, one of the things that uh, can kill your zeal and your passion and your desire for Jesus Christ is what I'm about to share with you. And Jesus also, as he is releasing his disciples, he had to tell them what I'm about to tell you. So Jesus was not concerned about them going to do miracles first. Because he knew they could do miracles through his power. But he was concerned about things that would come in their midst to stop them from doing what? Miracles. You see, we are so focused on uh, the miracle, which is good. But uh, what is it that stops us from experiencing the miraculous, the breakthroughs of God? Most of the times we talk about the miraculous and the breakthroughs and we don't experience them. I am sick and tired of just talking about it. I want to experience it because my God is real. I want to experience revival. I want not to just talk about it. I want to walk in the glory of God. I want to walk in the power of God because our God is real. Before we can apply the principle of authority to prayer, we need to understand things that weaken us in spiritual warfare or in prayer. We are called to pray. If we, we are to walk in peace, you got to pray. If you are to walk in victory, you got to pray. If you are to walk in revival, you got to pray. And let me tell you something, revival is not just something that comes down and goes. Revival shouldn't die in our lives. The power of God should not go away in our lives. So every one of us in this place is believing God for something and is praying for something. Isn't that true? I want to take you to one of my favorite scripture, Matthew chapter 5. And you see the title there will be the weapon of forgiveness. I did not understand what forgiveness really was until I began to ask God, how do I walk 
Because the ministry, for example, is not an easy thing. You become the target. Every day you become a target. Every day things are going to try to bring you down as a Christian. Things will try to quench the fire and your passion. Let's go to the next slide, guys. Number, uh, slide number three, please. Let's read this scripture. And I want to give you the context of it. Because probably you've read it. It says, uh, so if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your sacrifice. A prayer, your prayer is a sacrifice to God. Now, this is very significant. Let me give you the context of the original audience Jesus was talking to and the people that Jesus was preaching to here. This is nothing to do with, uh, oh, I remember that I did something. Let me go forgive and then come back or reconcile and come back. No, there is something very significant here. You see, many people have been lied to. If you come to me and pay $200,000, then I will pray for you and you have a miracle. Let me tell you something. You got to put certain things in place. So what's happening here, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, you got to understand something. Where the temple was and where the people resided were very far away. Meaning, these people have walked miles and miles and miles away from Jerusalem, I mean, from Galilee to Jerusalem, where the temple was, the southern province, you know, of Judah, to go and offer their sacrifice. And remember, their sacrifice was not money. So they did not get an empty end card in there. And this is the desert place. They had to walk miles and miles away to go and get to, to, I mean, to the temple. Imagine, as an African, uh, born in Zambia, I can imagine these people with their goods that they have produced. They've worked so hard and they want to go and honor God with their gift. As they walk days and days because they did not have a car. So they've walked and this is the desert with sandals. I could picture them. Maybe with a, a basket full of goods and full of uh, their produce going to the house of the Lord. And imagine for days and days and days they have walked and then they get to the, to the, to the temple to honor God, to worship God, to glorify God, to magnify God. And there the Holy Spirit reminds them, hey, somebody is mad about something. You need to go and make it right. If it was you and me, we would say, ah, come on, it doesn't matter. Here's the reason. It's not the gift that is important to God. Because God, he's the one who gives the seed to the sower. Your gift belongs to him. So God does not bless your gift. We can't manipulate God with our money to get what we want. But there is something so special and powerful when you, when you grasp it tonight, you will understand that the enemy will never, ever, even dare come near your home. Or come near your spirit. You will walk in this place with a heart to worship, to desire to worship, to desire to praise God, no matter your surrounding. So here is now the scenario. 
This person now remind, remembers there is something I got to do here. So he has to walk again miles and miles back to Galilee to go and find the person. First, he has to go and seek the person. Where, where is he? Where is he? And find them. And imagine how awkward it is. I just came. I just want to ask for forgiveness. And then the guy who's to what now? Miles and miles back to go and complete their sacrifice. Why? Let me tell you something. The spirit in which you give to God is far more important than the gift that you give to God. Amen. I will repeat this. This is very significant. Because we have all gift to God to try and see God do something and we are not seeing the fruits. It's not because God is no longer answering prayers. Our God is ready to answer us. Now think about this. And then this person completes their gift and then off they go. Why? Why, Why didn't you just let them just give the gift? Here's the problem. And here's the good news. The problem is that it looks really bad to just, I have to go back and ask for forgiveness. They are the ones who were mad, not me. And God said, yeah, they were mad, not you. But there's something that you need to do on your behalf. And here's the reason. When Jesus went to his hometown, he had been performing miracles all over. Miracles were happening everywhere you went. But the moment he went to his hometown, I want to show you. Let's go to the, I'm going to skip a little bit here. I'm going to skip a little bit to Mark chapter 4 verse 1 to 4. So it says that Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Now, you've got to understand something. You can't pray from the position of authority when in your life it is full of hatred, bitterness, and offense. You can fake prayer, but you can't fake the power of prayer. So why is it that the enemy, the moment you leave this place, he just wants to offend you? Have you just woke up so bubbly, happy, prayed up, and oh, hallelujah, shakaraba, sete, hey, good day today, we're starting Monday, I'm going to work on pumped up, the Holy Spirit, oh, hallelujah, glorious, I sing this and that, and then you get into your car, just somebody just cuts you off, and they give you the sign languages, you know, like, you know what I mean, come on, don't be holy on me, and then all of a sudden, you are what? Offended. It's like your tire has been punctured. You spoiled my whole day. Why? Because the enemy is looking only to offend you. Offense, I will show you here, it leads to many other doors being opened, not only unforgiveness. So the enemy cannot just get you with a sin. Because the Bible says what? The righteous can fall seven times and they can rise up. That's right, amen. 
Why? Because Jesus has already paid the price for the righteous, the, for the people who are righteous in Christ to rise up any time they fall. But the enemy knows where the righteous needs to work on. So here's the thing. So Jesus here, with his disciples, they've done a lot of miracles. God has moved powerfully. And I will show you the time when God does not move. When people, you have the authority and your power to stop God from moving. Even if Jesus has paid the price for your miracle, you and I have the power to say, no, you're not moving today, God, in my life. And here, let me show you here. So the, he says with the disciples, let's go. And he says, uh, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. But this is not a good amazement. <laughs> we will, I will show you here. So here it goes. Where did this man get these uh, things? They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? And then they go into another gear. Now you got to understand the culture here. They're going to try now to demean him, but pay attention to the last, very, very last words in that context of the scripture. We focus so much on, uh, on, on these, then we forget the punchline of this scripture which caused the people not to receive anything from Jesus. And it begins, it begins to say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And the Bible says what? And they took what? Offense at him. When you are offended, it's impossible to receive from the Spirit of God. Amen. That's why the devil will do everything possible to offend you. Everything possible. You know where the offense comes so, it eats so hard? It's when your brother or your sister or somebody closer to you just really offend you. And you know what? When you're offended, you don't smell like sweet aroma. You smell like Mike Tyson. I'm going to punch that guy. <laughs> I'm going to show you what offense is. Let's keep a little bit off there. I want to show you something here. What is offense? Because here we learn the people, Jesus could only do a few miracles. The powerful Jesus, the mighty Jesus, only a few miracles. He could at least force some on them. You know, just force some miracles on them. No. It was impossible. Why? Because offense had barricaded the people from receiving. And the Bible says what? In Proverbs 19. It says, uh, an offended brother, I won't look at it right now because I want, I want to show you what offense is. It says, an offended brother is harder to win than what? than a fortified city. Think about it. An offended brother is harder to win than a fortified city. Look, I can preach a storm. The power of God can come lightning down here. When you're offended, you look the other way. 
Ask the people on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has come, he's walking with them. They are still offended about what, Jesus, what was done to Jesus as they are walking with Jesus. And they are saying, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened here? What they did to our master? They are offended. What they did to our master? Are you the only one? They can't even sense the presence of God as they are walking with the master himself. And Jesus was like, oh, mama mia. What will I do to reveal myself to these people? And the people said after they had left, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't something burning in us? You can't feel the fire of God when you have the fire of offense in you. Offense comes to kill and suffocate the very presence of God you're crying for. People leave churches because they are offended about what the pastor may have said. And it's a trap for the enemy to send them into a wilderness of going from one church to another, one church from another. And we have a church full of people moving from one place to another, crying for revival, but they are going in the wilderness. From here, they go to another church. Oh, I don't like these kittens. I don't like these kittens. At the other church, we had good kittens, but only the carpet was bad. So I'm going to go to the other church there. They go to the other church. The pastor is preaching a focused message. I don't like his preaching because you know what? That is not of God. I'm going to go to... They be... Now the devil has sent them into confusion of going from one church to another until they die. And you tell me you're crying for revival and the enemy has sent you into the wilderness from one place? Revival does not come from people moving from one place to another. Revival comes from a people who are planted in the house of the Lord, planted in the word of God, planted in the spirit, unmovable, unshakable. I am here to see my God move. That is how revival works. The Bible says the enemy can come like a flood, but what does God do? He will guide you. The enemy wants to offend you so that you can leave. And when you leave, you are off, you know, the enemy offsets your position in prayer. And when you go into prayer to pray and you don't talk to other, you, you know some prayer groups? Can I talk about this? Let me talk about this. I know you love me. I know you love me. Here we are interceding as intercessors. Rabba, Shaka, Rabba. And there's a, a brother or a sister we don't even talk to right here. And you think the devil is going to leave the place? You think the devil is going to vacate? The devil will tell you, I'm not going nowhere because you have my possession. Hatred is the possession of the devil. Bitterness is the possession of the devil. Unforgiveness is the possession of the devil. How do you cast out the devil when the devil has been held on and kissed and that? Oh, I love you, devil. In the book of Acts chapter 9, the sons of Siva, they learned very quickly. It's not what you say that matters in prayer. Is it what is in you that matters in prayer? The sons of Siva, here they are. They want to now cast out a devil. And I will tell you a testimony, a true testimony in Africa as we're preaching at the crusade as well. What happened to me? That's why this message is very significant to the church. We can cry for the fire of God. And the fire of God can come down right now. 
But the fire of God which falls on the people who are offended, you will never even feel it because the people's fire of offense is suffocating the fire of the glory of God. I know this message is tough. I hope you will love me and love God more. So the sons of Siva, here they go now to demons and start saying, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of him. What did the demons do? It really kicked them so bad. Really? Oh, you want me to, to really tell you what happened? They went out of that place naked. They went out of that place naked. Why? They use the same name that is so powerful. They use the name above every name. They use the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And we all know, the Bible says, uh, when we call upon the name of Jesus, things happen. But why in this case it did not happen? They were praying the name of Jesus and Jesus was, it in the, he, he was not in them. So we got to understand something here. We need to understand. So what, what, what is offense? You can put it up. The slide, I'm skipping a little bit. I, I just want to introduce this so that you can get me back here someday. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go all night long and uh, Pastor Paul Koo will say, my brother, I love you, but don't come back here. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I, I know it. I'm, I'm just joking the way you do. <laughs> I learned from the master now. Here, what is offense? What is offense? I want you to pay attention. Listen. What can kill your gift is not sin. Again, I'll emphasize this. What can kill your passion or your position of service or saving? It's, there's no any other stuff that can kill it apart from what I'm about to show you. That's why Jesus, as he was sending his disciples, he told them what? Offense will come. He did not tell them, oh, go, who, hallelujah, go win souls and uh, pray for them and I will move among you. No, no, no. He honed them of some things that could happen and stop their zeal. How many gifts are frustrated? Just because, you know, when I was starting up as a young pastor, uh, 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 I learned very quickly, you know, some people came to me uh, many years ago and said, oh, we you know those zeals, we've seen those zeals, it's, soon it's going to die down. <laughs> and you know, if you don't know what I know right now, you become so offended that you never even worship. Oh, you had a bad day singing, and they tell you your voice was so off. And then you say, I will never sing again. I am done. You know who did win? The enemy. Because he just did offset you from the position that God gave you. That's why words are very powerful. Words hurt so bad. That's why we need to speak good words to each other. Uplift one another. Even when you see a weakness in me, uplift me. Tell, let me tell you some. Your uplifting of me will cause me to go and change my ways. Why? Because I got people that care. Here, the Greek word for offense is a scandalon, 
or scandalazo, like a scandal. This scandalazo has a root meaning of what? A snare or a stumbling block or a trigger or the trap. Are you getting it? So offense is simply a trap or a trigger. What does it trigger? When you're offended, what do you do? Go and, uh, you know, kiss them and love them. Hallelujah, I love you. You're so good. Is the, does it trigger love in you? No. Come on, lady. Don't, come on, don't, don't be religious with me. Does offense trigger love in you? No. When you're offended, what do you want to do? Mike Tyson. <laughs> right? If, now, look at this. You just prayed up a storm. You just saw the sea parted in prayer. You pray, Rabba, Shaka, Rabba. You rode, you felt the goosebump, and you knew God came. And then somebody just said something to you. All that power just shrinks, and all you want is love. I'm going to teach you. Hello, friends around the world. Thank you uh, for all your support, your prayers. This is uh, Dr. Kazumba Charles and my wife, Glory Kazumba. Uh, we have purposed in our heart to be a blessing to many people. We have the books that we want to send to you and to your household. We want to send to you the weapon of forgiveness, revisiting the foundation, and uh, the parables of the kingdom of God. Write to us, life at kazumbachows.com. And life at kazumbachows.com, if you have uh, any prayer requests, Glory and I will be able and will be glad to pray for you and to pray with you and to believe God to do the miraculous in your life. Please write to us and we want to send you those materials. Just say hello to the people. Hello people. Glorious. Shalom. <laughs> Bye-bye.